podcast for the last day of the week friday glorious friday it's the 8th of december 2023 and yes friday couldn't come soon enough which means that tonight at midnight if you're a subscriber you get to hear me curse about the news god knows the news deserves to be cursed about it patreon.com slash derek hunter podcast or patreon or uh, what else derek hunter locals.com I neglect horribly because it's just so user unfriendly compared to Patreon. But whatever floats your boat, it don't matter. And I've got a special guest for you today, so we're going to get right to it. You can hear him grunting and snorting and probably doing a couple lines of blow right now in the background. And you hear him when you don't hear me. It's a history author, show, podcast host, and the uh, man who keeps this ship afloat when I'm off drinking, Dean Carianis. How you doing, Dean? I'm doing good, Derek. Thank you. I've never been called a special guest before, and I want everyone to know that your audience is so important to me that I'm putting off writing my New York Sun column, which will appear tomorrow morning, and I'm going to flesh out some of my ideas here with you and probably do a little more griping than I would in print. No, good. That's the way to do That's what it is. This is <laughs> this is just a gripe fest. You know, think of me as your shrink who uh, doesn't charge you anything. But you, uh, you and I, this is actually, we're cheating. I'm cheating because this is me getting my Friday show out of the way. Um, it is Wednesday evening, Wednesday night. It's actually Wednesday night on the East Coast. And we just watched the Republican debate. And I thought, well, we should do a reaction show. Instead of me just pontificating about it, I thought, let's get Dean. Let's have a little back and forth because, you know, every once in a while it's good to step out. Now, granted, we agree more often than we disagree, but it's good to flip over to MSNBC from time to time. It's good to see what CNN is up to. It's good to see how the other half lives so you're not blindsided by what they try to do. And that's what uh, it's good to get a different perspective. So we just watched this thing. It was not boring. You might not have liked it. You might not have been entertained. And many people undoubtedly thought the whole thing was an exercise and masturbatory political speech. But it was not boring. What was your initial impression of the debate, Dean? I thought it was probably the best debate you never saw for most people out there who aren't in this business anymore or aren't in this business and don't watch it, probably didn't bother to tune in, probably didn't know where News Nation was or what it was. I thought it was surprisingly good. It didn't have any of the amateurish things. And by that, I include the dumb questions like, hold up your hand, like we're all in fifth grade and, hey, yeah. let's vote someone off the island. And I've, I've heard that you didn't like that before. The moderator no. stayed out of the way. There was no crosstalk until the top of the second hour, and the mere fact that there was a second hour and I wasn't by then ready to pull what's left of my hair out really impressed me because they were they were talking about issues. They weren't talking over each other. Then they got into it. Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy got into it. And by the way, I'm going to continue saying his name. As good as I can, as close. I'm not deliberately misdoing it, but these guys are getting a little too obsessed with their name pronunciation. I, I, I guarantee you he can't pronounce my name, and it's something I know you have said, and Adam Carolla has said, that people love to correct and change yes. and put you on the back foot. And DeSantis did it 
too, with the DeSantis versus DeSantis. You're lucky we're talking about you at all. So just maybe just take that one for the team. If I if I corrected people every time they got my name wrong, I have relatives who tell me I pronounce my own name wrong. So, but little things like that, little irritants like that did not loom large in this debate. And I was really, really impressed by that. I was happy to see it because as Russ used to say, he paid other people to watch this junk. So he didn't have to. And I was one of those other people. And tonight, even though I was writing for the sun, even though I was going to be speaking to you, I didn't feel like, why am I doing this? They should pay me double for this. Somebody else should be doing this. I, I well, I'll pay you thought, double. I'll pay you double everything <laughs> I paid you. For to watch the debate, I'll, I'll double it. Right, I'll triple. What the hell? I'm feeling generous. I'll triple. Wow. But it is. Uh, there were a lot of fireworks. Do you think there's animosity up there, or do you think it was showmanship between Vivek and uh, and Nikki Haley and Chris Christie and everybody? Is it is it genuine or is it showmanship? I think with Ramaswamy, it's genuine because if you watched after the debate. Nobody went over to him to say the usual, hey, good job. And what they used to say in old sitcoms and old TV shows and TV news was peas and carrots, carrots and peas, because it made it look like you were talking. And that's what everyone wants to show, that they're all buddies. And, and hey, we had a good spirited discussion. They are all, after all, Republicans. But nobody went over to him. Nobody really cared to, <laughs> to talk to him. And so I think with him. I don't know if it's a millennial thing, but I found this even in my own family. I've I've got a bunch of nieces and a, and a couple of nephews, and I find some of the older millennial ones, they don't really have a line when they fight. I don't know if that's a generational thing. You and I are Gen X, obviously the generation that makes everything work in this country right now. Mm. And I, I find some of them don't really get when he said that they were all licking Trump's. I was not sure at all. He was going to say boots, which he ultimately said, because he just seems to have a little bit, a little bit of a lack of, I don't know if we could say filter, but man, there's no, there's no thought to how that comes across to somebody who is older and is saying, whatever you think of the other three candidates, you do have three two-term governors. You have a guy in DeSantis that served in the military and in Congress and Christie, who is a U.S. attorney uh, and ambassador and, and Governor Haley. If you're going to go after them like that, I think other people who don't know you, it just comes across as who the heck are you, just this young kid up there that's that's going after them nasty. And then he always tries to back off it. And I, I, I think he probably helped himself if he wants to be Trump's VP because Trump prizes loyalty above all else. And he was very loyal to Trump and didn't want to criticize him. But other than that, yeah, I think that the animosity is there. These people love their records. They love being called governor, which I noticed they didn't hire on them on the screen, by the way. Uh, they didn't. They just had Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. And I again, I'm an old school guy, so probably this doesn't matter to modern people. But to answer your question, yes, I think just with, with Ramaswamy, I think that was pretty genuine, despite some of the fireworks between the other three candidates. No, I agree. I think it was abundantly clear that Chris Christie is not going to be inviting Ramaswamy to the the barbecue over the summer or to his book launch party, which we learned he's writing a book about. Reagan. Yeah, that was nice. It, nice it just well, then explains why Chris Christie's still in the race. Yeah, it was finally. Cynic. Yes, it finally became clear to me. I thought that. I mean, little things like that where he said, go walk off the stage, have a meal, Chris, to Chris Christie. And I have I have no problem in, in a private setting with a good old fat joke. I make many at my own expense. I wrote a whole column on 
Governor Christie and how I thought he could lean into that the way William Howard Taft did. I think I offended the Christie people because they they refused to talk to me after that. But it wasn't a negative one. I my think he my does Chris it pretty Christie well. fat joke tonight was to my wife where um, we're sitting there watching it. And the first, I don't know, 20 minutes, Chris Christie hadn't said anything. It was all the other three sort of taking swipes at each other. And I said, Chris Christie hasn't been this long since uh, he got past the cashier at the uh, the old country buffet. The, he he was he hadn't been silent that he was silent he was just sitting there yeah, kind of watching was. it it was like okay well leaning there not stuffing yeah he was he was kind of leaning down like like a principal i guess shout out sure. to shout out to news nation set designers because i was a little bit worried and i again i don't i say this as somebody who's a big guy i mean i'm not chris christie size or anything but i'm tall as are you and the world is usually not made for me. Things tend, I tend to hit my head a lot. That's why I wear a baseball cap. And for for that podium, the way that he was leaning on it, I thought, man, if they didn't really anchor that thing to the ground, it is going over and we are going to see a hell of a pratfall. They reinforced it. But you know that the set designer was sitting there going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Come on, just keep something. Give, give a little love to the back foot. Give a little I, love to the back foot. Well, I heard from sources that that was not a lucite podium, but it was that clear aluminum that Montgomery Scott of the USS uh, Enterprise, of course, transparent traveled. aluminum, that, <laughs> aluminum that they were able to get the whales in there. Yeah, that's right. That was created by now because that was created in 1986 or whatever. Yeah, Star Trek Four. Amen. All right. So, uh, did anybody stick out? Did anybody impress you? I thought that, you know, the problem. I, I'm not going to play the clips here. They've all been tweeted out by the DeSantis people. But look, Nikki Haley comports herself well unless you know Nikki Haley's record. And the problem, I think, for Nikki Haley is while she was fine on the stage, there are people who over the next, you know, through the weekend will come across video of her saying the exact opposite of what she said on the stage tonight or actually saying things she denied she said the the idea of immigration policy pretty much being dictated by corporate interests is something she's actually said now there's video of her saying that so it's problematic if the desantis people are worth their assault they are currently and will be throughout the course of as long as she's in the race cutting up her saying things and then her denying she said those things. But uh, it, it seems to me that her biggest drawback is the fact that she's on video contradicting everything she declared or so much of she de- what she declared herself to be for or against today. Yeah, she seems like somebody who does tempt you and says, wow, well, she's saying the good things now. But as you said, in this day and age, everybody is a video editor. Everyone can go back and see what you said and when you said it and what you did. I thought that, again, I noticed that, and these things are usually the luck of the draw, but they, they sat her or stood her next to DeSantis. And I thought that that was a really good contrast for him because if this had been 1988, I said to some of our friends, including Brian Darty, you've had on the show, and I was talking to them about it, some of the couple of guys from the old Rush show, and I said, if this was 1988, DeSantis is cleaning up out there. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's making Pierre DuPont just fade into the background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and again, showing, showing my uh, Gen X age, that was the first 
that was the first one I I was able to vote in, but I've always been a political animal. But he had a command of the issues. I thought they all cited a bunch of things. If the guy, if someone's going to mention the Federalist Papers, I'm going to think that's awesome. I, I love that he picked Calvin Coolidge as his president. And yes, that was, I was going to get to that great. with you. I was going to get to that with you because you are the the unofficial historian of the program and uh, the go-to guy for presidential history. What did you make of the, of course, whoever goes first gets the tap in putt of, they can say Reagan. So Chris and Chris Christie's writing a book about Reagan. So he's got that going for him already. And it, it also, even if your favorite president was Ronald Reagan and you go after the first person who declares Reagan, you have to, and you say, well, uh, Reagan too, it, it'll cause eye rolling. Well, even if you've got a Reagan tattoo on your bicep, you know, I love Reagan. Tattoo. You named all yeah. your kids various Reagan. <laughs> it still doesn't matter. You sound, you sound like you're aping. You're just going for the easy one. And so everybody else kind of had to dig into their bag and go a little bit deeper. What did you make of the, uh, the other choices? It kind of reminded me of the debate with George W. Bush in 2000, and they asked for their favorite philosopher, and he went later, and he said Jesus, and then they all wanted to change their vote. Oh, wait a minute. Now I choose him, too. <laughs> no, I like Jesus, too. I like Jesus, too. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, practically expect, I practically expected who was the little guy there from the family research, Gary Bauer. Practically expected him <laughs> to break into Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. And then everyone wanted to change it. And I thought the same thing. And that's why I thought the Coolidge pick was really good because here's someone Ra- that Reagan patterned himself on. He hung, he was a picture that he put up in the in the Oval Office and somebody that he really patterned himself after with the tax policy and with the governing style. And he was not as as silent as people like to make it out. He actually gave more, certainly more press conferences than Biden, but more than I think any other president. He did talk a lot to the people, had that similar to what we think of with Reagan, with the way he communicated with the people and went over the head of the press and wasn't out there sparring with them. So I, I thought that DeSantis did really well. And But of course, I'm an ideas guy and looking at it from the outside and other people and people like donors. I could see why they back Nikki Haley. They they just want to get somebody in there that they think, well, will be a little bit malleable, maybe, as you were saying just there. And they think they can do business with her. And she's not someone who's a strong ideologue. Uh, someone can prove me wrong. But it seems like that's her style of governing is to try to get things done. And as uh, as I guess Vivek Ramaswamy pointed out with the bootlicking thing, she clearly she worked in the Trump administration. Christie was definitely all for him. And so for them to all try to back off now, it, it speaks to that. And you need to do that when you govern to some extent. But there does have to be that line. And that is come to think of it, something Ron DeSantis said, a line across which you won't cross because it is a complete violation of your beliefs. It's not just getting half a loaf. It's giving the whole loaf to the other side. Mm-hmm. And so was was there anybody who turned you off tonight? I got to tell you, uh, uh, well, I don't want to answer the I question before you. Yeah, I know. I'm not. I was about to. What are I'm you, James? Yeah. James Golden. Yeah. Well, Derek and I both go on with James Golden. In fact, now you're going to share me as a historian, which is kind of sweet. 
But uh, yeah, uh, the well, they're the, your pay, man. You're going to yeah, be the, rolling in the dough. <laughs> the, uh, my old colleague from the Rush Limbaugh television show. We go all the way back to when Rush was on TV. Those of you that remember it. But yeah, he, he asks you those questions and answered himself. And you give James a hard time. So I'm going to give you a hard time. I, but I stopped. Hey, I stopped short. I stopped short. Plus, <laughs> I yeah. in music than James does. So it's, I've already got that going for me. But he's got a better radio voice for me uh, than me. But he, uh, I stopped short. I will answer afterwards because I hate it when it, when uh, somebody talking to somebody else answers the question. And it all it means is I think I you know, your your opportunity to agree with me increases 300 percent. Like I'm going to I'm going to hold off. So go ahead and answer. No, I don't. I don't even want to agree with you because you you said something before you agreed, and I said that's not good radio. We're supposed to be pushing each other. People don't want to hear us saying the same things and different voices. I, I don't know if we can now quote Bill Cosby jokes again if he's funny again, but he said that thing about how when women ask for your opinion, they don't want to hear your opinion or what you think. They want to hear what they think in a deeper voice. <laughs> so uh, a lot of I think shows are like well, that. Uh, can From, we? I don't know. Anybody out can. there listening in any Bill, if Bill Cosby's listening up in the Philadelphia area, they might want to hear what you think in a different, deeper voice, but they they still don't want to be raped. So no, no, absolutely not. not absolutely not. Sorry, but, Bill. Um, no, that's okay. But uh, I, I, what was the question again? Now, why don't you repeat it to me? I don't even time. remember. <laughs> I was hoping you would remember. I lost it. You wouldn't <laughs> shut the hell up. Oh, I, yeah. Was there anybody who? Uh, okay, I, I sort of. I think I just got it. Was there anybody who uh, who turned you off? Who you looked at? Uh, and you yes, thought, that's a guess. Not, not, not interested. Uh, well, and maybe, maybe you, you probably had a preconceived notion going into it, but you yeah. think the general viewing public they did not comport themselves in a way that did themselves any good. Well, I, that's what I was saying about Ramaswamy. I don't think that that plays really well with a lot of people, and I think this is. It's something that Scott Adams said a really funny thing about Trump originally and how he made a lot of people who are not in the East Coast or Northeast, specifically New York, specifically Queens. And he did this thing where he posted two responses to a question. He said, a regular person, a regular person, not someone from this area, walks outside that's not a New Yorker and says, oh, it looks like it's going to rain. Oh, I guess I better get an umbrella. He said the New Yorker walks out, especially somebody from Queens, and says, oh, and all these expletives and, ah, come on, it's going to rain. Ah, F this. Damn it. I need this like I need an F and all that. God, yeah, all these things. Cursing, cursing, cursing. And, then, and he says, see the subtle differences in the way that they react? <laughs> and that was the thing with the uh, the uh, S-hole countries. That's how everybody in New York refers to places. I don't want to go to that restaurant. I don't want to go. And so... I think maybe that plays with the people that really seem to like this guy. But for me, who's not familiar with him otherwise, me, who I really still hold to this idea, and I'm aware we had President Trump now, was the first president elected with no military or governing experience. But to me, I still like to see a little bit of respect for these other people up there, especially since if you do get the nomination, you're going to need them. It's just not smart strategically. You're going to want right. email lists to fundraise. You're going to want them to go be surrogates for you. You're going to want them not undermining you. You're going to want them not. I I've known candidates, I'm sure you have, that are Republican candidates and Democratic candidates do the same thing. And they'll send, if they lose a primary, they'll go send their stuff to the, to the other campaign. We know this certainly with 
Ted Kennedy. Look at the way that he screwed over uh, uh, Jimmy Carter in 1980 after that primary challenge. You you have to be willing to do that. And to me, all this stuff he's saying about governing, it reminded me of that Ross Perot thing. These outsiders do this little dance. And Perot used to say, well, now, Larry, I'm going to get under the hooded car. And what we got to do is we got to pull off that carburetor because it's olden times in 1992 and we still have carburetors, not fuel injection. And we're just going to clean that out and get the fill. It's like the, the federal government is a billion times more complicated than a car engine. You're not going to do that. And it's a it's a folksy, cute little metaphor. But that's not how you govern. And I think uh, I don't know what the what the guy's end game is. I'm usually suspicious of these guys. They don't really want to win and be president. He says he does. So I guess we take him at his word. But that may get you a lot of people to like you. It's certainly going to be a lot retweeted on social media and retruthed or whatever you call that now. And I, I don't know. Maybe that's your end game. But to me, because I think that's the end game, I find it insulting for the country. And I'm insulted as an American by a performance like that because you're not being serious and you're wasting our time. And this is about life and death issues. This is about we've had 40 years of Iran screaming death to America. And we've had the Washington establishment shouting back. They don't really mean it. <laughs> Things like that are too serious to just be on a little vanity, whether it's to sell your book, because I guess is Christie's Endgame or whether it's whatever Ramaswamy's is. And so that 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 bugged me. I just didn't like that. And I'll tell you, there's 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 a, there's a way to go about what Ramaswamy was trying to do. And it's obviously he's 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 fading. He had his moment. He peaked too soon. And so he's uh, he's trying to recapture lightning in a bottle that he got after the little bump in the first debate. But there's a simple rule that, you know, I I think is a good one, particularly in politics, particularly in anything where you're trying to get somebody to like you and excuse the language for a second. But it's it's simple. Don't be a dick. Mm -hmm. Don't be a dick. There's a way to say everything he said, particularly about Nikki Haley, without being yeah. a dick about it. And he couldn't not be a dick now that to me means or at least suggests that it's personal for whatever reason i don't know what their history is or maybe they're like highlanders and you know they <laughs> think there can only be one but he he was just a dick about it chris christie was right in pointing out you know you're insulting her intelligence you're not disagreeing with her you're not insulting yeah. her policies you're saying she's stupid and like she was you know she's a lot of things Stupid isn't one of them. You can disagree with them. You can think that certain positions that she hold, holds are stupid. But to say that she's stupid or even imply, I mean, I, I guess, it, to imply that she's stupid is is too much. And it yeah. makes you into a dick where yeah. people who might be inclined to agree with you about your criticisms of somebody recoil at the way you make those criticisms and then you you lose them. You might get some people. Look, Trump does it in such a way that, especially when he was an outsider in 2016, that sort of somebody's finally telling these people how it is and all that. That was different. Trump's now the ultimate insider. The guy's been president of the United States. And at a certain point, when you're to my ear, when you're sitting there going, Ron DeSanctimonious, and you're not offering anything other than name calling after having been president, after you know eight years in as a politician, you're still being a dick. I don't know. I don't, I it's, it plays for who it plays for. I just don't, I think it turns off more people than it turns on with Ramaswamy. He never had the initial, what Trump had was his term as president 
to ingratiate himself to a lot of people. He just kind of was a Fox News guest and then decided, hey, I can I can parlay this into not just book sales, but uh, a little industry of running for president, raise my profile even more, maybe get a cabinet position. And then you just go and and be a dick about it when people aren't really sure what they think of you. Like they, if even if they agree with you, you don't want to be the person who agrees with the dick. Yeah, it's a strategic thing for me more than it is what people say. Well, you just don't like him for whatever reason, this or that. It's not that. It's just strategically. I look at it that way and say, that's not the way that you go about it. And I wrote after the first or I guess the second debate in The Sun that he was testing Jeb Bush's warning to Trump in 2016 that you can't insult your way to the presidency. And (laughs) Trump managed to do it. But if you go back and watch those debates, he balanced things so well, Donald Trump, brilliantly on the fly, such great political instincts. And that's why the political class hates him. He just did this out of nowhere. It's like if a guy suddenly got put on the right wing for Detroit and the Red Wings are are scoring 10 goals every game because this guy's putting up all these assists and he's never even played in the minors. Uh, all the established players would be really mad at him. And But he did it in such a way, like even with Hillary, when they asked to compliment, she complimented his family, for instance. Yeah. And he said, well, I don't know if that's a compliment, but I'll take it as one. Thank you. Very nice. It clearly wasn't. And then he said, she's a fighter. And he was very complimentary towards her. And I also noticed that he continually called her Secretary Clinton. And she called him Donald, which which was fine. Sometimes they call first names. I noticed it really every time he called one of them by their first name, it just seemed so familiar and you could tell that there's no connection there. But then Trump, by choosing to call her Secretary Clinton, it was twofold. Not only was it showing respect to some people, but to other people, it was reminding them of her insider status of this of this position that she held in the government for so long. And she thought she was hurting him by calling him Donald, and she wasn't because it was the flip of that. She was some people thought she was disrespecting him. Other people thought, boy, he's just a regular guy. Like they used to call Perot Citizen Perot uh, in one debate, which I always kind of roll my eyes at. But it, it was just a reminder. And I think he's he's not doing that anymore, unfortunately. But I think that was as much as Ramaswamy seems to want to be a little bit of a mini Trump, he's he's not learning some of those lessons. He's doing I think really the media caricature of Trump in some ways and the guy that Trump has become the candidate he's become also because it's not just it's not just the press that's made it. But I don't think that he got the way that he went into those debates and he only would punch back when people punched at him. And tonight Ramaswamy just keeps coming out of nowhere like like a ninja and he's just going to jump on you like Cato in the old Pink Panther, right? He'd walk in his house and he was supposed to train him to be this great spy and be on alert at all time. And he's just jumping them out of nowhere, like you said, with these these really personal things. Like, I, I know some people didn't care that he said that in the last one about her daughter. She's an adult. She can take it. But people at home don't know that. They don't. They're When they you say someone's daughter, they're picturing this little girl and they're saying, why are you picking on her? It's one of the few taboos left in politics. You could do it in such a way. It's an unforced error, I guess you'd say. You could do yeah. it in such a way where you still accomplish what you want to accomplish, but you're not hurting yourself. And I think he hurt himself more than he helped himself, other than the fact that probably President Trump is really happy with him tonight. And maybe that was his goal. Let me ask you. Well, I'm trying to think from a historical perspective, and I doubt you know this. 
and I'm always surprised by what you do know. But I doubt you know this because there's no way to know this, I don't think. But the idea of titles and keeping titles in perpetuity, it's a little it's a thing that bothers me. I do it. I've I've known many former members of Congress, many former senators, and uh, you know, it's like uh, Senator this, and it's always Senator this. When I even Conrad Burns was my boss for a year. He passed away several years ago. When I talk about him, he's still Senator Burns. You know, it, it, they maintain that. Um, it, it, I don't know why I was thinking about this. The other day I was thinking about how Barack Obama sort of broke precedent by staying in Washington, D.C. and sort of inserting himself into the political discussion on go, in an ongoing basis. You remember and he predicted they, that, by the way. Rush. Yep. And so I, I thought well, we only have one president at a time. That was part of the criticism. It's part of the reason why presidents left town is yeah. because we only have one president at a time. We don't need to have presidents, you know, bopping their heads in and getting involved in all of this stuff. They need to give the their uh, successor room to do their job. And why, when do you, do you know when it started with this, you, you keep the title, you're for, once you're a member of Congress, you're forever a member of Congress. Once you're a senator, you're forever a senator. You're always a president, whatever. Have any idea why that started and why we tolerate it? I would say it probably starts fairly recently. I would say it probably started with LBJ because and and probably with Truman before that presidents and and not Eisenhower because Eisenhower became called general again he preferred that and in fact uh, Theodore Roosevelt not only left the Washington he left the country when William Howard Taft took over for him his, his successor that he had backed to to give him a chance to be his own man and William McKinley when he won they said what do we call you now do we do we have to call you Mr. President that doesn't sound right what do we call you and he said well call me major because I earned that I'm not so sure about the other things <laughs> let's see how I do as a president <laughs> first and of course he didn't have a post presidency because he was assassinated and many of them did go uh, many of them didn't have them so I would say post presidencies that is so I would say it's a relatively modern phenomenon where you would just refer to them always that way it's actually in the sunset style guide where everybody is is president and for me i find it a little confusing because of what you said or uh, confusing but it's a little distracting because of what you right. just said you you want to be able to get former president in there remind people who it is you think about I get it but this. it's former it's for it's uh yes it's, i mean nancy pelosi's running around democrats have named her speaker emeritus they created this title there's no republicans should have done the same thing for kevin mccarthy granted he was only speaker for about 20 minutes but you know if Democrats, if it's good for Democrats, it should be good for everybody. That sort of crap. It just, she's not Speaker of the House. She's not Speaker Pelosi anymore. Any member of the Senate is not a senator. Who's not a senator is not senator. You, we have a thing in the Constitution. There will be no titles of nobility. This is true. But in a way, are those not titles of American nobility? Sort of. Uh, or am I just reading too much? Am I just too cynical for my own good? Well, well, you are cynical, probably too cynical. Yeah, but not but, too cynical. 
but eh, I'll leave that to the listeners. To I'll decide. kick your ass. But no. you see, see how it got spicy right away. People right away listened in, leaned in a little bit of spark, a little of the old razzle dazzle. <laughs> but I, I think part of the reason is that they monetize these titles now. So if we want to be really right. cynical, that's part of the reason, because once you're a governor and once you're a former presidential candidate, which is one of the reasons I think, again, I try to take these people at their word. But if you look at somebody like Vivek Ramaswamy, who doesn't have a shot and now he's former former presidential candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy, he has that Chiron on the screen when he goes on Fox. And so does Chris Christie when he renegotiates with ABC and goes back there. And so they do just like they do with security clearances. We have way too many millions too many security clearances of people that don't need them that then go with those with everyone knowing that they have them which is why they hire them to cnn or fox or wherever and they start speaking on these national security issues so maybe it's connected to that but i i don't know well, maybe we're a little far off of the debate here but i i think that there, just the general respect is even it was even beyond the titles. The fact that, as I said, they they're all office holders. It was just that I don't know these, these people are all older than you. They are they are more accomplished than you in this particular field. You don't help yourself when most people, despite what you might think from how many Twitter followers you have, they don't know who the heck you are. So right. this is their first impression of you, and their first impression is of you making a little snide double entendre about. Chris Christie's weight when I hate to tell you, but those of us carrying extra weight outnumber the rest of you who don't carry extra weight. So people don't <laughs> as as funny as we who love childish humor and we don't we know how to take a joke might feel about it. A lot of people don't think that that's funny, but you could see and they talked about presidential temperament. What do you do? How are you going to stand there with Xi Jinping and these other dictators in the world? And there you go. He was clearly shaken. And for me, I, I voted for Chris Christie twice here in New Jersey, and he was my governor, and I saw his gim go down the rabbit hole very quickly. Uh, Rush kind of pegged him pretty early on when he first met him, by the way, between you, me, and the listeners, after really being impressed with what he was doing in New Jersey. For me to look at him now and say, well, he got the better of somebody, it's just, as I said, just just honest analysis, and that's that's what I that's what I write. It's it seems to be rare now, which always surprises me when people say, "Gee, the Sunland seems to let you write what you want." And I think, well, what else would I do? I don't gonna right. I know. I'm who, not a who, shill. Or, I'm gonna write who what who wants then? If it's not if it's not yeah. me, who am I gonna write on behalf well, of? And that that's part of the thing too. Like you just said about the you know senators and congressmen. It's not something you name drop all the time. Another thing you you give James Golden a, a hard time for tease him about that. But musicians, people who are accomplished, not just people who won elections, but that that's something that's definitely the case here. People monetize those relationships too, and they want to be friends. And they they'll say it all the time. They'll, oh my friend, uh, oh Ron, oh hey Ron. Uh, often they'll they'll even butcher the person's name and supposedly they're they're these great friends and uh, rush never wanted to be like that and I, I know maybe i get tiresome to people mentioning rush but but he was a mentor i worked with him for half my life worked for him for half my life and he avoided dc he would not go there he didn't want he said i don't want to be friends with these people because then it's hard to criticize them now that's one of the things i admire about russian and i i well I, it helps that i'm wildly you know, antisocial to begin with and don't like being around people or crowds or anything. But I, um, 
the the fact that there are so many people in this industry who are friends with these people who allow themselves to become friends with these people and want their audience to know that they're friends with these people because they think it somehow gives them credibility yep. when how you conduct yourself gives you credibility that that should yeah. be the only way you you get credibility it's disturbing because i know that there's nobody out there that i agree with 100% of the time except for me and that's only half the time so uh, the when you have a when a friend does something I might tell them, honestly, look, I think you really screwed the pooch on this one, but here's why. But if it is somebody that is beneficial to me for work, I find a way to sugarcoat it or maybe ignore it or justify it or, you know, look, Republicans screw up. I'm a conservative. So when Republicans screw up uh, badly, I have to acknowledge it. But I can also then sort of engage in, lack of a better word, a little bit of whataboutism. And sort of shift it. Okay, yes, this happened. And then what about this? Or there's also this. Or just kind of get back. I don't like firing down my own trench. Yeah. I also don't like puckering down my own trench either. Yeah. Well, you know, I want when you need to fire down your own trench, you damn well better be able to fire down your own trench. When you've got a a guy like uh, up in New York there, Mister uh, Cameo now. He uh, he needs to be criticized. He ne- he's an embarrassment. It's a disgrace when when somebody like a Nancy Mace does something stupid or uh, who's the other one is given hand jobs in the theater. Yeah, and like they're just a, a certain point. You just have to be able to criticize these people in an honest way. And if you spend your time sucking up to them and then telling your audience how you're great friends with them. It perverts everything that comes after and everything that comes before, and yeah. it's it's problematic. Well, I'm conscious of it, as everyone just heard. I said that about name dropping, and then I kind of backed off mentioning Rush, but it's someone I learned so much from and I was able to work with for so long, and I I hope people enjoy that perspective. I know they do. Like I see on my interview I did on the History Author Show with James Golden on our YouTube channel, and we we get comments every day, pretty much, of people who really miss Rush and love him. So for me, I used to tell him, I think I've even said it to your audience before, that I used to tell him what people didn't get was he's Madden up in the booth on Monday Night Football wearing yeah. that mustard jacket, talking about what's happening on the field. And all these people would say, why don't you get down there on the sidelines? Tell the Bears how to stop the run. And he would say, well, that's not my job. <laughs> no one would have told yeah. Madden to do that as much as we might have wanted him to. And I think the key is, I mentioned the Red Wings. For you, when you're, we all criticize our team. We all say, what the heck? I, the, the goalie couldn't have stopped a beach ball tonight. They've, they've got to trade for somebody better. Get <laughs> get better. What are they doing? Why, are they, why didn't he finish that check? Why did that rookie keep his head up and just got laid out along the boards? And now he's going to miss three games. You, you complain about your team that way because you want them to be better. It comes from a place of love and support. And I think that was the thing that Ramaswamy lacked. Tonight, I don't think that he gets that. And that's understandable, I guess. He's he's new to politics. He doesn't really feel he's a member of the Republican Party. I guess Christie said he was a Democrat before. I I don't think I've heard that before. Maybe no, but. he wasn't a Democrat. It was that he, well, he might he actually was involved in a uh, a CNN town hall of Democrats though at one point. 10, 15 years ago, I think the candidate might have been. The candidate it was either two thousand four or two thousand eight. But he he asked a question of it, and he was coming at it from a liberal perspective. And hey, people change over time. The real problem with Ramaswamy that I think that uh, Chris Christie was talking about is that he hadn't voted for president 
and never voted in a Republican primary until the last one, I think. So, or the, maybe 2016. He is not, he's a Johnny come lately, to put it mildly. Which, as you said, it's it's okay. And I think it's something that I kind of invited myself on your show the other day to talk about this idea of preaching to the choir. And yeah. it's something that I've written about again in The Sun about Trump surprises me that he doesn't ever bring up that he was a Democrat the way that Reagan did so effectively and the way that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is doing now where he says he declared his independence. That was his big theme when he left the Democratic Party and decided he was going to run as an independent. He did it at, in Philadelphia at Independence Hall and said, I know this is my my family's party. This was not easy to leave. And when you do that, you give other people a license to maybe think about joining you. And when mm. Reagan used to say the party left me, I didn't leave them. You you wake up a little and say, yeah, you know, dead for quite- yeah, I can at least hear you out. And that's something that I I saw from some of the other candidates tonight. I didn't see that from Vivek Ramaswamy. I didn't I didn't really hear that from him. But uh, granted, it is a primary. You're looking for Republican primary votes. But I I am really worried. I guess you'd say and disappointed that you don't hear it from either of them candidates they uh well the major candidates they're all major candidates but uh, the likely candidates are going to be biden and trump it looks like and neither of them try to reach out to anybody or grow their base or grow the pie at all they're just looking to disqualify the other guy and well, there's, there's it's, the, it's, yeah it's and i get it and i hear it a lot and you it's sort of the perverted worldview that you can create for yourself by insulating yourself from anything else but it, the amount the depth, the fervency of the love that your supporters have for a candidate does not increase their numbers. A vote doesn't count twice as much if somebody yeah. really, really means it. And I, I'm not sure that a lot of people understand that. I, I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but it seems like a lot of people can't. It, it, it's not that they think the votes count more. It's that they do love a candidate so much that they don't understand that other people don't that the other people in sure. fact dislike or hate a candidate with as much depth and genuine feeling as they love that candidate yeah it, it's like a an actor or like a girlfriend or boyfriend or it's something we certainly recognize with clinton when, uh, as I said, back at the the TV show days and early days of, of launching Fox, and we knew that people just liked him. Clinton had that wink in his eye and that attitude of, well, hey, you know, I always did say I liked the ladies. I never held that back. You know, maybe I liked them a little too much, but for that, I am sorry. And you'd be sitting there going, ah, oh, come on, we can't. Can we get a guy that can go that can go at that? That we kind of got that guy in in Donald Trump eventually, but. It, it people vote for all different reasons. People compared Bill Clinton to the bad boy, right, in school. And you try talking a woman or a man out of someone bad. Go listen to this is a great James Golden. Like, go listen to when a man loves a woman, right? Turn his back on his best friend if he put her down. When a man loves a woman, right, she could do no wrong. And this is the yeah. thing with some people with candidates, and you you can't argue with that love. And there are ways to do it, which maybe, as I said, we'll discuss in, in a future show. It's not about the debate, but there are ways to do it. And strategists, though, uh, they don't seem to like to do that because they get paid no matter what. And they like to 
they like to do the ads that they do and they like to do negative things. And as you said, somebody like Nikki Haley has a ton of data there or a ton of records and a, a big track, big, what's the word I'm looking for? Resume track record, video library of things that she's said and done. So they'd yeah. rather go through that. And I don't think that that's the way you get to the landslides that we saw with both Nixon and Reagan winning 49 states. How do you get back to that? You don't get back to that by just doing a debate like this where you just trash the other people who are in your party because you're hurting the brand. You care about that brand first. You consolidate your own party and then you start to reach out. And even if it's just BS, like Biden talking about unity, which he's never delivered, you at least recognize you need some of those people. And that you want to have people looking at you as someone who's going to lead the whole country and that are at least not going to hate you. Because if they hate you, they are going to be motivated to vote against you. If it's a rainy day, like that rainy day I spoke about, maybe they'll go, ah, I don't have to vote today. So what if that's the saddest guy? I don't, I don't mind. I don't hate him. He, he's just, he seems like he knows what he's doing. The guy, he brought up his military service a few times tonight and uh, probably, probably just one short of being, of being too many, but good for him. Even Chris Christie had to say it was, it was a praiseworthy or whatever words that he used. I think laudatory, he said. So uh, you, you just want to at least neutralize those people. And I think that's what a lot of people felt about Bill Clinton. And it's so easy in politics to get blinded to that, where you think, well, I don't like this person. So how can anybody not see it? Now, lots of people like like Joe Biden for that reason in the old days. He's this backslapping friendly guys. You'd have people in the Senate saying, gosh, if I had a problem, I can't remember who exactly the, the guy was who said it, but said, if I needed somebody to, to be president, I wouldn't want anyone. But if I had a crisis, I'd want it to be Joe Biden who was there because the guy understands. He's had all this tragedy in his life. He's really empathetic. And and you could say, well, that's just BS. That's just how he is. Well, it's part of, of who the guy is. And all the things leveled against them that he kept coming back, coming back to run for president three times is very rare. Something I mm -hmm. spoke with uh, presidential historian David Petrucia about, and he said, you have to really have that fire to put yourself through this three times. And if you're not going to be honest about who the other candidate is, you're you're not going to win. It's you're just not. I don't think anyway. You're you're certainly going to make your road harder than it would have been otherwise. And I think, you know. Well, this is true. All of this is true. And this is why you get paid the big bucks, Dean and Carry on this. Look, yeah. I could go on forever, but we're all people need to get on with their Friday, need to get on with their weekend, and need to get over to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast and get the weekend F and review. Uh, which Dean gets every Friday afternoon. He gets it uh, sent to him. How do you? Like, I'm an insider. Peanut gallery. We need to we do need to do this more frequently, but I also need to get kids to bed. But I, I always feel bad asking because I, I can't offer anything. <laughs> yeah, you offer your friendship too. and your insights. And I have a you got to... that. You got that. You don't need to talk to me because I'm recording it. You can talk to me whenever you want to talk to me. But um, I have the opportunity to do what so many people listening right now wish they could do. And that's to tell you things. I can tell you that you're wrong. I can tell you you're right. Or you're, Anybody I'm can not email me all the time. Uh, I respond to almost all the emails if uh, I notice them, if I get them. So it's not like I'm not inaccessible. So I, I'm not I'm not anybody who's like sitting people are tossing and turning going, I need to get I need I to ask Derek are. something and I don't know how to do it. No, go to sleep. Not, not the same as telling some more you milk. Off. 
It's more fun. Oh, that's to tell true. You that's true. And you know, the week in F and review would need to be that. Our text yeah. messages would have to be read on that. <laughs> and like, but, you're wrong about Picard. You're wrong about the first two seasons of Picard. I think you're a complete moron to think that was any good. There you go. The that's first season right was excellent. The second oh, season was not, not excellent. excellent. The second <sighs> season was not excellent, and the third season was, it was amazing. Pandemered little French lingo for you yeah. there and the the and the third season what do you think of the third season i thought it was good but it was a greek guy running it of course so of course it was going to be better we've been telling stories since your people were, were swinging from the trees you've been doing a lot of things since my people were swinging from the trees and uh Cooking little great boys food. every little boys everywhere are grateful that you stopped <laughs> no i will say uh there's a greek restaurant near us and i i with all the hope in the world all the hope in the world, I, because I grew up with some incredible Greek food. My best friend's mother was Polish, but she married a guy fresh off the boat from Greece. And she learned herself how to cook Greek food. And oh my, Greek Easter feasts and all, like, I just, I ate over there constantly. And damn, she could make everything. And so when I find a Greek restaurant, I go into it in the hopes of Mrs. Cargill's yeah. cooking. It's Karagoulis, but uh, Mrs. Cargill's cooking because uh, they Americanized it. Right. And uh, this place, there was, there was absolutely nothing special about it. To my mind, if you make a, a gyro or use gyro, is it gyro or gyro or gyro? How the hell do you pronounce that? Oh, I just did that whole riff on pronunciation. As long as you like how it tastes, have All whatever right. you want. It's well, you know, it's, it's you know, but you're not Greek. I don't expect you to. It if it's sitting on a spit shows. all day, I'm not Greek, but if it's sitting on a spit all day, say it how you want. What I saying? expect it to be juicy and not dry. All right, I could cut I up a belt and eat. You're holding me responsible here. I don't. I'm I think, not the I assume, ombudsman of Greek restaurants. I assume the way I do with every ethnic group that you know everybody in your ethnic group. So you probably could call up as soon as we get off this. You can call up the people who own this restaurant. And uh, get this taken care of, even if they just missed a little spritz on the uh, the damn thing. They need something to bring it just this side of diced belt. I just I want I want good lamb, and they don't have. I mean, it's it's a sandwich place. It's a glorified sandwich place inside of a gas station. But I still had hope because you know the stuff in New York. When I was walking around New York, every time I walk around, every time I go to New York, I'm up till like three o'clock in the morning walking the streets of New York. And the stuff on the street, so damn good. It's so good. And so you'd think a place that doesn't have to worry about a truck coming over the sidewalk and killing them would be a little bit better. <laughs> but no, no, you're not. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, subscribe to yourself. We need to do this more often, Dean. Uh, absolutely. I tell you, because I, I I feel weird asking anybody for anything. So if you, anytime that's you want to chime in or whatever, you're welcome to it. And uh, people should subscribe, need to subscribe to the History Author Show. Come it's find me at the New York Sun. It's good eating. Go to the New York Sun's website. Read Dean. Follow, what are your history author, Dean, on Twitter? Uh, at History Dean. At History Dean. See how I don't Twitter. make you spell that long last name, Carianis? I don't make you spell it. See? Well, That's you're thoughtful. not an idiot. I mean, what's for Ramaswamy? He could just have Vivek instead. He has you should have got you should have got Kurt Schlichter on this program or on, on this uh, idea. Like, okay, you don't have to change your name legally, but Schlichter smells like a sneeze. I always tell him every time we're out. Your name smells like a, smells like a sneeze, man. 
All right. Well, that's it. Go about your weekend, for God's sakes. Not only Dean, not only me, but you. And be at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast for the weekend F and review where I don't even know what I'll begin to swear about because I won't record it for a couple of days. But um, it'll be fun either way. Appreciate you listening. We'll see you Monday.